0: That's what we want. We want readers who are going to be with us for the lifetime. Yeah. Until they're dead. I don't <laughs> want to stop reading me until they pass. It is easy to get lost in the weeds of, of the many tasks and the many things and that you just, want to get done. Just getting, getting yourself out. back oh. on that path of what you're supposed to be doing. And feeling congruent with yourself. It makes it so easy to get out of bed in Shut the morning. Up. Yeah, you makes can't it get so <laughs> it basically yeah, throws you out, out of the bath. You have to get back in. And then I oh. spent like maybe a year or so writing almost anti
1: Thank you for joining me for today's episode. Without further ado, let's dive in. What is up, Activators? And welcome back to another episode of the Activated Authors podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wilcox, and here with me every single week is...
2: About the Frost, Sam Frost, and my dog, Chase, who's very annoyed. What's up, Chase? Now we will be quiet, because he's a quiet,
1: just to prove yeah. a point. Yeah. Maybe that's a trick. Maybe you just, like, any time you start to be rowdy, you're just like, of course... He is Chase and he'll just get shy. <laughs>
2: yeah. It's the same if I try and like take a picture for him. He's like, fuck off. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. It's the same with children. Um, I won't say particular names because I have company present. Um, mm-hmm. So for people on the podcast, if there's a sudden like outburst of noise or something, it's because I am currently on daddy duty as well. But um,
2: I, I'm on mum be... duty as well. Although he's, he's after school now. But it is. Mine, mine's been off ill for the past two days. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, like properly ill.
1: Not like pretend Bart Simpson temperature thermometer by the light bulb, ill.
2: (laughs) No, it's hard to do that. I've got an in-ear thermometer, so it would be impressive.
1: Maybe just press your ear to the radiator or to the sun. (laughs) Yeah,
2: Yeah. to be fair, if he can build something that gets him to the sun, he he doesn't need to go to school. Yeah, he gets a pass.
1: That is that is intelligence beyond their system.
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) How are you, Sam? I'm alright. I'm okay. I am extremely tired. Um, I'm also very annoyed. A little. Well, I'm not very annoyed. That's that's a lot. I am. No, I am very annoyed. Let's be honest. I'm very annoyed. Um, just because I couldn't find my nail polish remover, and all my nail polish is chipped, and I was going to paint them all nice and spanky new for the podcast. So when I undoubtedly do this, because that's how I talk people will be like oh and now it's just like oh mm. so there's that but other than that I'm very tired um but generally in good spirits how are you please sir please and thank you
1: yeah I am also tired uh, I have done a lot of driving this week um yeah. I went and visited a friend at the beginning of this week and then I went to a wedding on Wednesday and I basically sort of traveled all around the country for various reasons and today is straight back into work um I've had to catch up with a ghostwriting deadline so I've done six and a half thousand words on a book today as well as oh, all fantastic. the usual sort of uh daddy duties and whatnot um and yeah like I'm tired but I'm feeling I'm feeling good I'm not sort of it's not like a burned out feeling of tiredness it's just you know a bit of fatigue from what has been a long couple of days but it's been a really good week the the wedding was fantastic um like obviously they don't come around all that often I've not really been to one since pre-pandemic um mm. and just the, the, the groom was a very close friend of mine, someone I've known since uni, uh, someone I lived with at uni, um, and it was just really nice to see him turn it around because <laughs> <laughs> knowing him at uni and knowing him since there was no way I ever thought this would be possible. Like it, it's one of those scenarios where you kind of go like this person is never going to reach that zenith, and he has. So congratulations, man, if you're listening to this, which I doubt you will be. Uh, <laughs> congratulations again. He knows all this. I've said this to his face like he <laughs> He was the type of guy that would go around and just basically do pull-ups on the architrave and rip chunks off the wall and then, like, break the sofa and then splatter water or oil everywhere and not fix anything. And then with women, oh, won't even get him started on that. So the fact that he's now, you know, doing up a house very, very well, the fact he's now very organised and meticulous and clean, and the fact that he's now got a wife <laughs> a is wife. mighty impressive. So, yeah, it's been it's been a good week. It's been a good week.
2: Well done for uh, removing your life from the toilet, Dan's friend.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could have gone either way. Who's walking on a iPad for a while? Um, <laughs> but what is something you have enjoyed this week, Dan? Um.
2: Well, I've got a couple of things. I've, I've written. I've written down um, on a post-it note here so that oh. I would not forget. Um. I have enjoyed therapy. Hmm. Yeah. I. I have enjoyed therapy. Um so I have it on um Fridays and so I have had it today and last week and today um, I had kind of I don't know like not necessarily breakthroughs but maybe like a realignment of a lens or two um, last week I was I was speaking about how do I know that I'm on the right path? Because like of how my brain and mood and everything shifts all the time.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. And uh, my therapist said, why don't we just reframe that a bit? Like, how about instead of you thinking that you're looking for the path, you realize that you are the path.
3: Mm.
2: And I was just like, Oh, yeah, I am the path. I am the journey and the destination. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that kind of, That blew, blew my mind a little bit. (laughs) Um, And today she was just like, have you considered that maybe the reason why your insomnia is so bad is because you never stop. Like I wake up and I start and I stop when my eyes close. Um, And it's not always been that way. And I, it's weird because like, I'm, i'm with you like i'm a huge a cheerleader of like healthy balance and or at least you know whatever that looks like day to day because the whole point of balance is it's an act like it doesn't stay the same mm-hmm. um but because of the way my brain works i um i'm i'm always always going so it's not necessarily like i'm always constantly working on something um but I'm always doing something.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And she suggested that maybe I don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, this is a Parks and Rec uh, reference for anyone that hasn't seen it. I apologise, but there is a character called Tris Crager. Tris Tris <laughs> Crager. Um, and he gets really like horribly depressed and he just, he literally won't stop moving.
3: Mm-hmm. He's like,
2: if I stop, the bad thoughts come. And that's yeah. kind of, that's kind of like how I operate i just yeah. keep myself so yeah i've enjoyed i've enjoyed that kind of like reframing and also i'm blogging again hey yeah yeah, yeah.
1: i was gonna ask what you've been working on
2: yeah yeah well we we we, we can get to that what, what have you enjoyed this okay. Week, Oh, okay uh
1: <laughs> firstly i love that i love them um, how powerful just the reframing can be because it doesn't change the situation it just completely changes the lens through which you you view it mm. um And I I had something um, similar this week. I'm listening to Cal Newport's Deep Work. And there's a... I'm going to screw up the analogy now, um, or like sort of the explanation of rationale, but it's essentially this idea that he's talking about social media breaks. And rather than just saying you cannot use the internet or this for the day, Mm. you specifically say, I can use it for X block. And you give yourself like an hour or a two hour block in which during that period you can do that. And, you know one way you're doing quote no social media no kind of arguably um distracting activities yeah but then it's harder because saying just a blanket no when you've been using it for so long is it's a yeah. withdrawal symptom um and similarly with you where you're constantly doing stuff getting back to that idea of doing nothing like i i have weekends sometimes where i'm sitting i'm like i don't have anything i specifically need to do and i find that really really difficult to do
3: mm-hmm.
1: um but then having like a block where you can say, okay, I can be active. I can do this thing during that period. It almost gives you that excuse and just makes the rest of it easy. Cause you know, there's a level out there later and it almost, um, what's the word? It kind of like steps you out of it slowly. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I totally feel you on that. Um, but my thing that I've enjoyed this week is houseplants. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know what it is. Um, I just, I just, the way that i'm decorating my house i have my own house now like i really want to just have some natural plants in it i've been looking at like fake mm-hmm. plants for a while because fake plants are beautiful and they're so easy to look after you don't have to like worry about anything else but i'm like well no just just get a cut and i discovered obviously to people who know this stuff it's gonna sound so <laughs> trivial but i discovered the power of succulents like in the <laughs> last year stupidly easy i'm holding up one for the camera super easy to look after and they're also good for the environment and they're also mm-hmm. quite pretty so i i've had a spider plant uh oh i got given the spider plant when i first went to uni so 13 years ago um that i've managed to keep alive ever since but i've never That's really
2: impressive like,
1: yeah it is but i've never managed to like there was one period in which it flourished
2: was it was that period just after you'd been given it
1: no weirdly so i had okay. it i had it for three years kept mm-hmm. it alive you know watered it did the bare basics and then uh on the fourth year um I don't know what it was but it just sprouted flowers and a vine came out and it started climbing and it went from just being like eight leaves that are occasionally turning round to this kind of like flourishing plant they had like, like I say a stalk with all these like white flowers and stuff and I remember just being like oh my god this is amazing I didn't know it did this um and then it's never done that since and I've had it for another you know uh, seven years whatever it is do the math like nine years I don't know uh, eight years after that um and I've finally gone you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna look after it. i'm gonna give it some because what i've realized is i've not changed this well, done anything to the soil in 12 years so it's not going to thrive because there's no real nutrients in there anymore um i'm giving it a new pot and make like making an effort to make things nice um i got given another the one that i held up uh, as a housewarming present i got another one that's like a wedding favor so i'm just kind of like geeking out a little bit about houseplants and just adding nice. some like color and some natural stuff into into the house so um watch your space i have also got a cactus that i'm growing um, my boy's got a cactus and a Venus flytrap. Uh, so the I'm going to be so oxygenated. Yeah. It's going to be marvellous. So that's that's what I'm enjoying. It's, it's, for me, it's like, it's this weird thing. Like I said, I've had this spider plant for 12 years. Yeah. For the first time today, I watched a video on how to look after it.
2: You you don't really think about it, though, do you? You go yeah. and you're like, sun and water, mate. Done, yeah. and done.
1: It was like give it a couple of sprays every now and then with um, rainwater or sort of non-chemical water just so that, because it doesn't really like anything too much like salt and other crap in the water um, and, and don't, yeah. And don't overwater it. And I went to put into a new plant, it's <laughs> a new pot, pulled it out and the bottom is just like, <laughs> like a swamp. It's just wet and there's water everywhere. And I'm like, Oh, this is why it's not growing. So okay. I've now put in a new pot. It's lightly spritzed and there. end of, the lesson nice. <laughs> so nice. that's my that's my bits but yeah tell me more about this vlog what have you been working this week
2: well yeah so like it's do you know what it's weird because um i vlogged last year for nano um so like obviously there was a a set time to do it in november yeah. um and i i enjoyed it and i thought oh maybe I, i'll do that kind of you know once a year Um, but I was just, I was recently thinking about why I am kind of grouping all the things I do under the mattress of None um, umbrella, and I was like, well, a big part of it is that I want to show people that suffer with mental illness or personality disorders who aren't um, neurotypical maybe you know trauma all that kind of stuff that affects your brain in a big way I wanted to kind of be proof that you can still create a life that fulfills you that you that you know just because something that is not your fault is a part of your life it doesn't mean that that gets to dictate your life and gets to take it over um, obviously like it's gonna look different and depending on where you kind of are with all of those things, you have to look after yourself and all of the rest of it. But I was just I was thinking, like most of the things that I do are very helpful to me. um, But people only really see the end result of it. So like they'll only see the poem once it's kind of, you know, performed and edited and it's on Instagram or like they only see the painting when it's done or, you know, on and on. And I just thought, well, if I want to show people, why don't I just actually show them?
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, So I just thought that like vlogging was kind of the most expedient way to do that. Um, So I've been doing it for, I think this is day three now. Yeah. Um, And I I made it very clear in the first one that I am not committing to daily vlogging because shit. (laughs) Um, But at the same time, like I would, I like the idea of daily vlogging. I just know myself, I know myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what I figure is, at the minute i've got starter energy so there'll be like you know probably quite a few daily ones and then depending on how i'm feeling or what's happening and go from there um but yeah it's weird because like i'm doing something because i'm vlogging but the whole point of vlogging is to watch you do something you're like oh, it's it's confusing it's inception yeah yeah
1: story so, inside a story inside a story
2: yeah there's been there's been a lot of time lapses and me uh, just gaveling to the camera and mm. youtube telling me k- keeps telling me copyright claims but i'm using the music on my editor which is stock and you is there to be used so i'm so confused mm. i need to figure that out but yeah nice. i've been i've been, been working on that uh. how about you have you been working on a hangover <laughs>
1: luckily no uh, it wasn't too bad it's definitely tired um but also we'll put a link to your vlog in this show notes for anyone that wants to check it out um but yeah no i've i've primarily just been working on um ghost this week and last week uh i've got according to schedule about six weeks left and then with any luck that'll be my ghostwriting since done and i'll be on onto the other side which i'm excited yep. for uh so mostly that um a few sort of admin bits and pieces here and there but one big thing that I have done this week as well is potentially laid out a new sort of base for my schedule because what I have started to realize is that I I tend to shy away these days from whenever someone asks if I'm free to like for a call or anything else um it, it kind of immediately gives me this sort of jolt of fear because I know how packed my calendar can be yeah, and again, it's one of those things that you know it sounds obvious, but you have to be in, in the right place to appreciate and to realize it is. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe the reason that's the case is because I'm still doing like too much of certain things. So, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, when you work a full time job, doing running these kinds of things, there's a certain amount of things you have to do.
3: Yeah.
1: Um. But yeah, I I'm writing a lot of words. I'm doing a lot of things. I still don't have enough time to do all the things I feel like I should be doing. So I'm still still on this path since. February of 2021 of winding back the amount of stuff I'm doing and just trying to find that sweet spot and being able to focus on the things that are um, most important to me the things that are going to move the needle, which, you know, ironically does move into some of the things that will be in the interview coming up, a mm-hmm. uh, little tease. But yeah, so I'm, I'm doing a lot of sort of critical planning. On what the next sort of stage of my author business will look like, because as I say, in six weeks' time, ghostwriting won't be a thing anymore, which means it frees up at least 80 to 100,000 words of my time per month. Um, yeah, which is
2: so many, yeah.
1: so many words. The first thing I've got planned is two weeks completely off. So I finish a ghostwriting and then I've given myself a block two weeks, uh, one week which is to myself, and then one week which I'm spending with a boy. And um it's all during summertime, so it should be lovely. But yeah, so I'm kind of finally i think coming out of the fog of client work and potentially seeing the other side of it um and it's terrifying because Mm. i don't think i've said on this podcast but it does cut a huge chunk of my income out But at the same time uh, i'm confident that i can pick that up with the space that i'll get given and also i can't i can't do this anymore (laughs) it's just like i it had its place but i'm done yeah ready to move on
2: yeah so um i would just very quickly like to say uh, weaning off social media and little t's your prison nickname please continue nice <laughs> um
1: so going over to our weekly wins for this week yes. from our activated authors community so this week's win comes from emmy who said my weekly win is that i recognized oncoming burnout and gave myself permission to take a break before we moved into actual burnout which i think is so powerful mm-hmm. um, being able to recognize that moment is hard yeah i know that i'm normally i know three miles past that line before i suddenly go i think i'm in burnout
2: yeah yeah
1: i don't know how it is for you
2: yeah well yeah i remember i think it was last year or this year or i don't know when i was five god what is (laughs) time anyway (laughs) i remember just talking to you and being like i'm just I'm so tired, and food tastes weird, and I'm not really enjoying anything, and uh, mm-hmm. like it—it it feels like depression, but I'm not depressed. I don't really know what it is. And you're like, maybe you're in burnout, and I was like, no, I can't be because, I, uh, yeah, shut up, yeah, shut <laughs> <laughs> your sh- sh- you stupid face.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's the thing. It's not oh, easy. Is the wrong words, but it's um, it's easier to recognize burnout in other people than it is in yourself. I think. <laughs> so you know the fact that emmy has gone i think burnout's coming and just went push the brakes awesome absolutely yeah that's that. incredible yeah and it goes to um to show a lot of like what we try and support people through with the community which is recognizing those moments and kind of you like you can tell when you're on sprints and someone's like yes just fatigued and exhausted and just not in it um, mm-hmm. so it's helpful to have the community is almost like a barometer for yeah where you are
2: i think like the community is amazing for like everything that you've just said but just not just for burnout but for all sorts when it comes to like barometers like emotional <laughs> barometer uh spiritual barometer I like the word barometer um right. but yeah it is just that thing like when you're in sprints um and it's almost I tell you what it is is even though we're all very very different we because we're all writers we're all aiming for like not necessarily the same goals but we're, you know we're all we're on the same we're in the same lane kind of thing mm-hmm. um often if someone's going through a problem you've either just been through it or you know you're going to go through it someone someone has been through it yeah. and so you get a lot of kind of help with like pep talks <laughs> <laughs> but that come from not just a good place but like a knowledgeable place mm mm-hmm. And often, if you're the one giving them, as you're talking, you're like, oh, wow, yeah, this is, I should, I should remember this for myself next yes. time. So yeah. it's just, yeah, I think you can definitely tell when someone's in burnout and fatigued.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and yeah, just, just that general, sorry, I just did a with my hands. Yeah, just, <laughs> <laughs> I just realized, just the general silence um, of it all is incredible and mm-hmm. like very, very helpful.
1: Jeremy. Okay, so this week's guests, we have a familiar face to... Luke Luke. Condor. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So people who've been following uh, any of my journey over the last, however long I've been writing for, like seven years now. Uh, Me and Luke started off together, uh, we formed Hawk and Cleaver, started the other stories podcast together, uh, ran the story studio podcast together, but he is absolutely a just dynamite bomb in his own right of all the stuff that he's doing. Um really excited to get him on the podcast this week and also one of our experts. So he comes in every month or two to kind of be quizzed and to give his knowledge on different things. Um and yeah I'm really excited to to bring Luke on and, and get another chance. It's been about a year and a half I think since I've had him on a podcast, which for most guests that's quite a short period but I seem to get Luke on quite a lot.
2: Yeah. God has it been that long.
1: Sorry am I boring you?
2: No, I'm tired. I think we covered this. I have chronic insomnia. Sorry. <laughs> Sir.
1: Yeah. But yeah, I think it was, uh, it might have been Christmas of 2020 potentially, um, Holy the new year. Mm. Shit. So, uh, yeah, Luke is a font of wisdom. Mm. Uh, you'll find that this business <laughs> view goes in many different directions. Oh. We won't tease it anymore, but mm. we will say bubble, 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 and we'll see you on the other <laughs> side. Luke Condor started writing on his computer in his early teens and never looked back. And now he has very sore eyes. He also runs and produces a short story podcast called The Other Stories, which has amassed over 9 million downloads and has a monthly listenership of circa 200k downloads. Currently, he works from a dining table in the middle of Sherwood Forest and there's his fiancée cat, their pet cat, Oscar, and their larger, angrier cat, Alaska, who is actually a dog. It says it already. Hey, Luke, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? Where are you from? Uh, I'm so I was born in uh, Basildon in Essex, um, which is sort of if people don't know the UK, it's kind of like just a bit northeast of London. Um, yeah. What else you got? Uh,
0: what did you eat for <laughs> dinner? Yeah, I know you had a bath. We what, just, we just so, switched in what, the twist
1: back.
0: <laughs> what flavour of soap did you use for your Ooh, bath? Uh, Do you bath bomb it? I don't no, I don't bath
1: bomb. I don't bath bomb. Oh. I, I yes, have so like now. a. I know, I know. I've, they look exciting. It's just one of those things
0: I never walk into a supermarket and I'm like, oh, a bath bomb. Like, I just don't, I, I, I don't see them. Yeah, never get one that isn't from Lush. Every time I've got one, like a, a cheap one, it's been so disappointing. Whereas Special if you get a house. Lush one, yeah, it's like, uh, it's like weaponized. Like, it feels <laughs> like it's uh, <laughs> potentially illegal somewhere. It's so powerful, but they're really good. Powerful? When you say powerful, how do you mean, like in terms of it's
1: effervescence?
0: effervescence F- <laughs> in F- terms F- of F- it's uh, F- yeah in terms of it's effervescence F- Jesus Christ I know right F- <laughs> effervescence yeah the, the chemical reaction uh, is is potent
1: did you sit so, there and so. you're like sort of suspended because off like you know you, you sink to the bottom of the bath you kind of float yeah. with the
0: bubbles because they're just pushing you up yeah you can't get <laughs> it basically yeah, throws you out, out of the bath you have to get back in, oh, no. bath <laughs> in there. That, that reminds me this is a question maybe this isn't for the podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> do you uh have a bath do you fill it first and then get in mm-hmm. or do you get the ball rolling as it were and then get in the bath and let it fill the bath around bumble. you yeah so i i tend to
1: it depends on different baths because in certain in old houses i've been to i've i had the heat perfect and yeah. the pressure perfect so i knew what to expect from the bath this one is one of those sort of like twist crank handles i can never quite get right so yeah. if it's too hot I will crank up the cold and then kind of climb in and then let it get to the right temperature. If it's just right, then I'll, I'll just get in. I prefer to step into a bath as opposed to rise with the tide. How about
0: you? Yeah. If you get in first, if you get, if you fill the bath with water first and then get in afterwards, you, you spend way too much water. If you get in first, similar to task management, if you get in the big things first and then fill in the gaps of water, mm. you save like 50% of water and that's, that's basic math science. That's smart. That's really smart. I'm also um,
1: an absolute idiot because I will run bubble bath. So there's enough bubbles to fill. And then when, when I'm in the bath, I hate having bubbles behind me. So I sweep what? them all to one end and get rid of. Half of them do you
0: anyway. don't trust bubbles.
1: I just don't what like the you feeling have like, behind me. Boys, it's like, but <laughs> popping. <laughs> um, but no, it's like the cold feeling of bubbles against your back when you're resting against the force. I just don't like it. Yeah. I just prefer yeah. the smooth texture of water.
0: But baths are good. Uh, in terms of like thinking spaces for when you're dreaming up stories, but also as are a you, way are you to... Are trying that... to segue back in?
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, this, it's all natural. Um, it, <laughs> but in terms of when you want to get away from like writing or, or thinking about stuff, so sometimes I just go in a bath and I have a plan, I'm going to read something, I'm going to watch something, and I just sit there and do nothing. I just kind of, my mind's like, now, now we can rest and switch off yeah,
1: I uh this is this will be the last bit I say on bubble waffles, I swear to God. <laughs> and then we'll get into some writing stuff. But I, I will say that I have taken a lot of uh because I grew up with um a mum who hated when I used to run lots of baths because it cost in water and everything else. Yeah. But now I live alone, I have a single occupancy discount and I abuse that bitch for all it's worth. So I have baths whenever I just want to like take half an hour, an hour, just read for a bit. Just it is yeah. it is one of my sort of like last refuges.
0: Yeah, I uh, try not to have too many, especially when it's warm. I quite like to have a, a, a mid, like a warmish bath, like not hot bath, but also at some point in the day, like a, a refreshingly uh, middling shower as well. Mm. It's just, uh... Yeah, just any kind of, I like to be moist is what I'm saying. If I could okay. just get some <laughs> water on me, I'm all set for the day. We will, we will
1: maybe table, put opinion in the moist talk and ask that yeah. question later. Um, I mean, so far, this podcast is going exactly as I expected it to go. Um, yeah. I mean, for people who haven't realised, me and Luke go back away. Um, Luke has been on the predecessor of this show, Great right Share, a couple of times, and we've had like New Year's episodes. And we also hosted the Story Studio podcast for a good 50-odd episodes back in 2016 through to 2017. Um, so a lot has happened a lot has gone on and i'm trying to think of different areas that we haven't yet covered but luke has also graciously come on the activate what into the activated community as one of our experts since its launch so you're in there with all the people mingling in slack and jumping on the calls every other month or so um i kind of want to start by actually you know diving into some questions as they pertain to writing and to say how the devil are you
0: luke how is how is the writing life treating you at the minute um um so every day i kind of journal um, which I've talked about before, I think on those previous podcast mm. episodes. We'll put that uh, in every the show notes. What, my journal entries? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, was I was going to say, oh yeah, but then every day I write down something I'm grateful for. And then early today I wrote down, it might have been yesterday, I wrote down, I'm incredibly grateful for all of the cool things that I'm working on. So I do feel like I'm working on a lot, like doing the other stories. Uh, I've got this Kickstarter campaign I'm currently fulfilling. Uh, I've got a, like a novel I just finished and I've got to plan the next one. Um, currently doing some outlining for a comic book idea. Uh, so there's lots of plates I'm spinning, but I'm, mm. I enjoy every single plate, if that makes sense. Every yeah. little plate's got something delicious flying off the top of it. and I'm just enjoying every single aspect of it. I mean, it is tiring, but I mean, is it? T- I mean, it's also <laughs> kind of fulfilling as well, isn't it? When when you enjoy every little aspect, it is quite fulfilling as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's um, a Simon Sinek quote, which is uh, working for something you
1: hate is called stress. Working for something you love is called passion. Um, and it definitely seems that like passion reigns off of you. And we've spoken a lot about, you know, your love for different genres and mediums and things. Um, mm-hmm. Your stories and your art seem to know no bounds in terms of films and comics and novellas and even sort of crossing between genres with horror and bizarro and things. Um, what has your journey with your storytelling been over the last couple of years because you seem to be in a position where you feel or seem from the outside anyway much more confident in the stuff that you're doing than you were at a point a couple of years back
0: yeah i think um i think when i first started writing i kind of well i got when i first started when i first decided that i knew that i was going to what i wanted to do was was to write stuff i kind of knew exactly what kind of writer i wanted to be And then when you start to try and sell certain types of writing, you're like, okay, the market doesn't want that kind of thing. I should move myself and change the kind of thing I'm doing to fit this other thing. Um, and then you try something and it, and it, and it does work quite well. So then you go, I need to do more of that. Um, and then you, at some point, I think maybe like a period of two years, I was chasing something other than what my inner creative spirit, like really wanted to do. Um, and then the, and then I spent like maybe a year or so writing almost anti-market material, <laughs> so stuff that's like it's not going to sell anywhere, like it's it's completely like uh, absurdist and, and stuff. But it was really good for me for like filling my creative well and uh, reminding me of this kind of stuff that I like. And now come to the this past couple of years, um, I feel like I know exactly what. I do and I know how to kind of separate parts of myself if that makes sense. So I know my belly for that strange sound if that probably affects up on the podcast. I know that like if I'm gonna do um uh more commercial genre work, I will do that as part of like the other stories or hawk and cleaver. And I know and I really enjoy that stuff. I really do enjoy that stuff. I don't know if I want to do slightly more literary stuff or slightly more bizarre stuff that's not as commercial. I'm kind of building a new lane for that stuff, which I'm calling bod dot press for now, mm-hmm. just because that's just um it's just a, it's a it's like um I'm building different rooms in a house. And one room, this is my bizarre room, this is where I put this kind of material, and this is where I can be that person. And then this other room, this is where I can be my my this is where I can get crazy and write the horror stuff like the toy mm-hmm. factory stuff I've been working on. Um, and I mean there's always going to be crossover there's always going to be a bit of each in everything that I do Um, so I feel like I'm just much more comfortable in separating myself and separating those parts of me Um, and also I just feel like I always knew exactly what kind of writer I was yeah for some reason I doubted that for a long time now it's like I just haven't got time to worry about it I've got too much fun stuff that I'm making Uh, That is very much me, that I'm just... There's there's not enough time to worry about it. Mm. Where did that doubt come from? Well, I I mean, it was probably uh, a case of, you know, reaching the end of my 20s. I think, like, uh, 27 to 29 is is a period in most people's lives where they start to think, I need to... I don't know, something needs to happen soon. Otherwise, I've failed. Like, something needs to happen at some point very very soon otherwise i'm just gonna end up working at mcdonald's for the rest of my life uh so maybe it's some, maybe it's that kind of pressure um i don't know um maybe it's felt I was you know a little bit depressed at that period of my life as well so maybe it had something to do with that maybe it all kind of played in into it i'm not entirely sure mm-hmm. uh but i think at some point i just started to not know exactly what i wanted to do Um, I'm trying to work out when I remembered what I wanted to do. I don't know what it was exactly. Maybe we talked about it at some point. I don't know. Might have been around the run. Fantastic.
1: (laughs) Around that point, possibly.
0: Yeah, I think it was the point where I started to decide to start publishing more myself again. Mm. Uh, Well, at least start to think about that rather than chasing uh markets and stuff that i'm just never gonna fit into yeah it's real interesting that journey because i i definitely did something similar with
1: the horror in the sense of kind of that was where i did my first novella went off experimented did a lot of much more commercial stuff um and then you get to a point where it all starts circling back and like i'm writing a novella at the minute which is so selfishly just for me i'm not I, I know there's not a whole lot of market value in there at all, at least not yeah. from like what I can see or that perspective, but there's something nice in just doing what you want <laughs> versus yeah. like you say, kind of worrying about all the um, nuts and bolts and, and the selling and the markets and things to, to know that you're writing something that just satisfies that inner creative is th- there's something really nice about that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, how do you feel now? Do you know, can you remember what it was that kind of made you go hang on a second I need to go back to the horror stuff what was it that? what was the impetus that made you go back to that well firstly thank you for
1: the question look I uh I'm, I'm beginning to miss the story she did <laughs> <laughs> um I think it was just so I, I tell you what one of the big things was was uh I actually I had the opportunity to write an urban fantasy series with quite a big named author that would have if I'd done it without a doubt would have made a lot of money um mm. and would have been a very very easy win for me and I think I got about 20,000 words into that draft and just it was hard and it was heavy and like it's not like I hadn't written that stuff before but you know I've, I've kind of helped ghostwrite urban fantasy books and it's fine when it's someone else's but mm. it was it was me putting that part of me out there and it just it wasn't the genre in which I read it wasn't the genre in which I wrote and I got 20,000 words into that book and just went no like it's I it's hard to kind of quantify it because it was just yeah there's just a feeling there's just like the fibers of your body just repel and just go this is wrong um and yeah. it's a weird feeling to explain because it's just
0: that individual side of yourself
1: that tells so every, you, what you
0: like everyone's got you know the Stephen King thing about the beam there's like mm. there's like a a, a direction where things are supposed to go everyone's got their own personal beam and if you start to wander off a certain away from the path of the beam or away from where you're supposed to be it starts to your work stops resonating with you you start to find it more difficult to get the words down you start to more than that you start to you know in Stephen Pressfield's um, The Art of War book when he talks about when people have the resistance they start to get uh depressed or angry or they start to drink or they start to act out in other parts of their life. Um I think maybe when you you step away from that uh part of you the, the path that you're supposed to be going down when you feel incongruent with who you are the fiber of your being it starts to I don't know you, you just at some point I guess you recognize you think holy shit where am I I'm nowhere near the path where I'm supposed to be yeah I'm supposed to be going that way how the yeah. hell did I who led me this far astray? I mean, it's, it's always like yourself that led yourself that far astray, but you from multitude of reasons. Yeah, yeah. I think just and just just getting yourself back on that path of what you're supposed to be doing and feeling congruent with yourself it makes it so easy to get out of bed in the morning. It makes it so easy to uh, get to the page again.
1: Yeah, and I say often that I'm very thankful for that time of exploration because it, mm. you know, it gives you that confidence in doing what you're wanting, and it, it shows you the other side isn't always greener. Um, yeah, but yeah it's definitely like because when i first started writing it was and i, I remember having this conversation with them um, keelan patrick burke back on the story studio about you know uh yeah. art versus commerce um they having a therapy session live on air with a, a lovely irish man um but i i write because i love it and yeah. i like a certain type of prose and i like a certain type of writing session and the stories that i tell mm. um and when you get to a point when you are thinking much more commercially, it does yeah. or has the the has the um, potential to change that lens. And I think not to put people off because obviously there is that Venn diagram where you can choose the thing that you love and the thing that sells, and there is that sort of sweet spot right in the middle. Um, yeah. it Takes some work yeah. to get there, and even then, for a lot of people, it's luck, it's chance. Um, sometimes it's very very well researched, uh, but yeah, it seems to have been for you. Uh, like I say, you seem so much more confident in the things that you're writing and the stuff you're putting out now. There's there seems to be less hesitation and much more gusto on the projects you're working on, at least from the outside anyway.
0: Yeah, I don't I mean I don't know, I I don't recognize that so much from being in it, if that makes sense. Because <laughs> I mean maybe, maybe it maybe has been that way, but it's been like a two years worth of hmm. moving towards that. Uh but I definitely do feel um for the, for, I mean, more than any time in the past three or four years, I feel like I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And I think also, um, we talked about this a, a fair few times already, but like prioritization, mm. and like, um, because the amount of times before when I'd start to work on something and then I'd have the like the shiny, yep. new object syndrome, whatever <laughs> you want to call it, and I'd see something new and I'd start to work on that instead um and then maybe that's why you get led astray led so far away from the path that you're supposed to be it's because you keep seeing shiny coins on the floor and thinking oh what's that there you can pick that up and then you see another one it takes you further and further away whereas like um if you since i've been f- like prioritizing my projects quite heavily and making my, making sure i'm working on my highest priority projects these are these are usually the mo- most difficult ones they're usually the things that the, the biggest tasks that take the most amount of time um they are the harder projects to do but that's that they're the projects that are going to take me further uh down that path that I'm supposed to be going down so maybe just like and, I, and I'm um we're coming up to the end of June so I'm going to start having a look at all my projects I'm going to reprioritize stuff soon and just make sure that the, the really the p1 projects as I call them <laughs> are p1 projects and and everything's kind of lined up properly. Mm.
1: Yeah, definitely seems to be that iterative um constant ongoing process. But how how do you deal with temptation when other projects spring their sexy little faces?
0: Um I if a sexy new little project <laughs> pokes its head kicks its sexy little project legs out from behind the Behind a wall or something. Go, project what, is, what, is, yeah. <laughs> what is that? I um I I just have like a like an inbox and I just put it on the under project inbox and I think I'll oh, that sounds cool, but I'll get to that. I won't get I will like try and uh ingest that into my system uh when I get get a proper chance to take a look at it. But today, like uh, I need to work on my P1 projects and make sure that they're getting done first. I mean, like if I'm getting everything done and I've got like an extra like 25 minutes, sometimes I find myself just twinkling, tinkling away on a website, uh, even though it's, it's not important really, but it's just kind of fun. Mm. That kind of stuff is okay. Uh, but I'll make sure that the big stones, the big boys in the in the bath, not the, <laughs> not the little water. <laughs> this is quite a few levels deep of like. Yep. Inside from too deep, I can't swim, yeah, well it's, it's the big stones and little stones theory mm-hmm. isn't it? as long as my big stones are getting done uh then then i'll I'm, I'm okay to play about, but that's the main thing. it's just make that is quite difficult, and I think it is very easy to uh get drawn away from your, your main projects, yes, um but you just have to they have to be the big thing of the day, they have to be the pillars of the day. you have to make sure you're getting those things done. And all the little tasks that do add up, and it can be quite numerous and quite time-consuming. I've got to email that guy. I've got to uh, write some copy for that email for that thing. You're just going to have to get that in in the gaps between your big stuff, between your main projects.
3: Mm.
1: And tell us a little bit about your um, organization process now, because obviously I know that you've switched somewhat recently to Notion um, as a means to track everything. How Because we, we were using like Google Spreadsheets and lots of other things before to arrange stuff. Um, how do you how do you arrange your day? How do you employ all of these P one tasks and everything else? What does your kind of system look like for getting things done or getting the right things done?
0: Um, yeah, so before it was all my my personal stuff was all done on bullet journals, our little to do lists on paper, which I still use, um, and the other stories and all that kind of stuff was done just on Google spreadsheets, um, various. Online documents and, and sheets and Word documents and stuff that there. Uh, there's no, no centralized place to put everything. Uh, and since I've moved over to Notion, I've realized that I'm a very much a systems based person um, <laughs> and I need to put systems in place um, in order to function. And I found it like really helpful. Notion is a kind of purpose built for that, really. Um, but in terms of my daily to do list and the, my projects that I'm working on, um, I'll so let's say I've got like ten projects in the in the queue. I'll know if it's a P1. This all comes from my tech support background. If it's p P1, <laughs> that means it's highly urgent and it's and it's uh, highly impactful. So it could be like really time pressing. That deadline is going to come, or it's highly impactful in the sense that if I do it and do it well, it could change not just my life but other people's lives as well. If it's P2. You know, you drop the urgency, and you drop the impact. So it could be um, that it could have a really good benefit on my life, but it's not that urgent. I could get that done in two, three months' time, all the other way around. But it's P three. We're t- we're talking uh, stuff that I kind of like to get to, but and it'd be fun. It would be a fun project to do, but it's not gonna. If I don't do it, it's not gonna break anything. And then P four is like a change request, which is like I really would like to change my. Uh, write that specific little short story at some point in time that's a p4 like it's not gonna change anything uh, so i just make sure that i have at least because i work a full-time job as well at least two POMs, i call them which is a pomodoro like a 25 minute burst at least two bursts of the p1 project every single day that's like my main pillar and then i have another POM that is a uh, um on the other stories every single day um and then another palm which would be on another project that's big at the time so that could be the kickstarter that i'm doing or it could be um uh like a big podcast project that i'm working on or something so I'll, i'll tend to like block out these huge chunks of my day um that are work that are all not specific tasks but they're like um they're time blocked for Within that within that time block, there could be lots of little tasks, if that makes sense. But it mm. just means I've got to focus for that specific time on that specific project. Yeah. And then, and then on top of that, I'll just add in all the, all the all the extra bits, like have a bath, <laughs> put hair, wash clothes, <laughs> dog for a walk, dog for a walk. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, it's it's all about g- making sure you're, you're you're working on a really important stuff, and making sure you're dedicating time to that to that really important stuff mm-hmm. every single day. And then all the other stuff. I mean, the P4s stuff. A lot of the time, I just don't get to them. And eventually, when it comes to time, when I could do them, I think I don't really want to do them anymore. Mm-hmm. They were never that important to me. It's always the P1s that um, you've got to watch out for them. They're the yeah. they're the big ones. They're sexy little faces. I am. Um, I definitely have found myself thinking a lot
1: about that recently, in the sense of like sometimes you get through periods in your work where it feels like you're working a lot, but you're not sure how you're actually moving forward yeah and i'm going through a bit of a review at the minute of going through all of my things and going okay like what purpose does this serve like what priority should i give that like probably not as granular as going down the, the p1 through p4 formula but that the kind yeah. of like doing that within within my own system just to review that because you're right if you're not if you're not working on the big things then yeah. a lot of the little things don't really matter yeah like it's the big things that push you forward and keep you going and help you to grow and if well if you if you've done it right and you're actually prioritizing the right things as the big rocks
0: yeah key i haven't read the book but there's that book it's like called the one thing or the one question or something and i can't remember the exact phrasing but it's like um if you were to accomplish that now, what's the one thing that you could do that would make everything else either unnecessary or yes. less important? Something along those yeah. lines. And a lot of times, I find that the P ones are that. Like if I if if I really hit this P one that I'm working on, which could be like a big novel I'm working on, that could be the thing that starts a new new book series. That could be the thing that um, makes a fair bit of money, or or makes all like the writing the the extra bits, almost like. N- makes them almost, like, inert. Like, they just don't matter at all. Um, so, yes, yeah, so what is that book called? The One... It's called The One Thing. I've got it. Um,
1: it's on my yeah. bedside table, I'm pretty sure. So, um, I think
0: the, fear, the theory behind it is all kind of the same thing. It's just making sure that you're prioritising in the right way.
1: Yeah, it's... it's the the concept that they used to use at um, my old day job, Well, no, it was on the podcast I used to do, was um, you can either do many things and go, like, wide but shallow on a lot of mm-hmm. things or you can choose the one thing and go like super deep and that's where people like find their niche and find their success because they focus on one thing and that's what they're known for that's what what kind of brings the expertise and and everything else because they've they've focused they've learned they've understood they've worked at and excelled eventually at that thing but yeah um, Yeah. i'll I'll try and find the author for that um book and we'll stick around in the show notes but yeah, recommend that. Um and similarly as well, I've got um deep work on the shelf behind me that I've started reading through, big fan of like Cal Newport stuff, but um yeah. deep work in the sense of focusing on that one thing for an extended period of time, obviously with your Pomodoro's as you know, that's your intents. I'm gonna focus on that. And just having yeah. a couple of those in the day can make a whole world of difference.
0: Yeah. Um, and just make sure you you, you know do them every single day. You you, you keep the momentum, you keep moving mm. forward with them. Um, and also like I guess that if you looked at like the the opposite of that would be okay, I'm gonna do five things today. I'm gonna and then I'm gonna do different things every single day. I'm gonna work on novel one one day, <laughs> short story one day, comic book the next day, whatever. And then if you were to like line up if all these little progresses, progress marks or little blocks, you'd have after one week, you just have five little blocks all separate. But if you had if you focus all on one specific project you'd have like a little tower of blocks yeah and i mean i mean it's a it sounds so obvious and so silly but it is easy to get lost in the weeds of of the many tasks and the many things that you want to get done yeah um so having a system i think is a a good way to to not think about it as much to get it out of your day-to-day emotions or or whatever Mm. and do you stick to certain deadlines you set those in advance or is it a project takes as long as it takes uh it should do deadlines because when i do have deadlines i definitely (laughs) scramble to to work to them um but there's yes and there is an issue where if someone else hasn't given me the deadline i will just say i'll kick that back for two days i'll spend (laughs) a little longer on it because i do have a habit of um i guess over perfecting even if something's like i could get the what's the, the parkinson's law the work will get done in the time available mm-hmm. i can get stuff to the point where it's ready to go uh but then if if there's no one waiting for it i will go i'll just give that one more one more read through um or like a bit more of a polish and from something i learned in like game development is like you can keep polishing something if the time's there you can just keep polishing and polishing and polishing and it will it will add something to the end result. There's like a uh, diminishing returns yeah. thing there. Uh, and it will add something, a little bit of shine to the end result. But not many people are going to notice. Only you're going to notice, really. So mm-hmm. it does get to a point where you should just ship it. That You need the deadline to be there to just force yourself to ship it and get it out to whoever's waiting for it. Yeah. So maybe I do need a system that's going to be like, maybe an accountability partner, I don't know, someone mm-hmm. who's going to say that's supposed to be sent out by Friday. Well, no, let's no. talk after the show. I've got ideas. <laughs> <All right. laughs>
1: you mentioned um, Bud Dot Press, a new press for yeah. strange writings from Luke Fundor, and um, I imagine possibly other people. Um, what is Bud Dot Press, and what what kind of stuff are you releasing through that imprint?
0: <laughs> so, it's a very specific type of book. So, this is um, if we're talking about niche genres, this is a genre. The bizarre genre doesn't really exist. Not really in the sense that it's not uh, an Amazon category. Uh, no one really knows what it means, unless you've read a bizarre book, and then you then it, it usually clicks, and you think, "Oh, okay, it's that kind of adult swim kind of Pixar for adults or for grown-ups. That kind of yeah. cart- It's like cartoon logic or cartoon humor, uh, but usually for for people who are my age, or a little bit older." <laughs> um so Bob that press so, when I got into Bizarro it's like there was a small press scene and there's lots of little small press publishers about um and they're all doing their own thing which are which is all fine and dandy but I just couldn't help but feel like I could do because and the, the process takes so long you send a book out for a small press it takes think they run fantastic what well, that was actually quite short comparably but that was like a year or so mm-hmm. from uh finishing it um Actually, it was like two years from finishing it to getting it to submitting it out, finding a publisher and, get, and then the next year on top of that, but then to publish it. And I was just like, I could do that well quicker <laughs> and just move on to the next one. And I also just wanted creative control. I, just, I really, for this kind of project where it's all about creative control, really, like it's not for the market, it's for me. I <laughs> am the target audience for this book. I want to be the person who makes the cover. I want to be the person who... He makes the audiobook. I want to do everything for it. Um and the, it is incredibly niche this genre, bod.press. Uh but I think I'm finding or my plan is to find a um, more direct sales kind of audience for it using platforms like Kickstarter, um, rather than trying to hit the algorithms or or find a traditional publisher for it because I just don't think they exist for this genre. So it's like okay, over the next 10 years I'll build a Bod.Press Dot Press and I'll write a bizarre book once a year. Hmm. I'll publish it through Bod Dot and I'll do the audiobook and I'll do the cover. And um, you know, it would be um a life's work kind of uh kind of deal.
3: Hmm.
0: A repertoire, a CV. Yeah. And then uh, if people if, and maybe I publish it with people, but I don't know. But I think if people read a bod.press book, it will be a case of I want to read more of those and I know exactly what kind of thing I'm gonna get. By yeah. getting a bad up Press book. Mm. And you mentioned Kickstarter there. Congratulations, yeah. I'll say on air for
1: the, the funding of your um, most recent Kickstarter. What was that all about?
0: What was it all about? I've been meaning to do one for, for a long time. And I think I've been you awesome. like your Kickstarter. I do like a Kickstarter because I really enjoy direct sales. Um, and like growing up in like the small press. Uh, comic book community kickstarter is what it's all about everyone kickstarts their comic books it's almost like they're done if you you start out into comic in comics you think okay i'm gonna get published by marvel or dc very quickly people realize that's impossible and then you start kickstarting their own comics um it's just the way it goes as so i've seen people um build essentially amazing small businesses not maybe like not small businesses at this point uh but uh on kickstarter by uh, creating repeatable small campaigns where they sell a very specific type of product uh, to their audience, and they just build their audience and do small campaigns over and over again. Um, Jody Oliveri of Afterlight Comics is mm. one who's he does at least I'm going to say at least six Kickstarters a year, and every single one smashes it, smashes it, and he just he's just always writing. he's his, his like horror comics. He does he writes a horror comic, Kickstarters kickstarts it. Then there's another one that just repeats the cycle over and over again, does really well. Uh, John Locke, who we interviewed a long time ago. Mm. We interviewed um, Joey as well. Yeah, we did, yeah. Um, but they, I just love it. I love how direct it is. Like you're speaking directly to your customers, the mm-hmm. people who are reading your work. Whereas on Amazon, like it's just the numbers really. And even podcasts to some degree, unless people are leaving reviews or they're getting involved in your community, they're just numbers on a dashboard. Whereas Kickstarter, you get their names, you get to message them and start a conversation pretty much from the get-go. Mm. And you get to sign the book for them. And I also very much enjoy uh physically sh- physically packing packaging up books and, and take them to the post office yeah. and, and shipping them. There's something quite tactile about it that I quite enjoy that you don't get with ebook or digital first businesses. Mm. Side note, if you lift your head just to the right
1: angle, it looks like you have cat ears. Just get the corners of the frame. There you go. <laughs> hey. there
3: you go.
1: People need to watch YouTube to get our friends. Sorry, guys. Um, but you're right. Like, there is something really um, unreal about publishing through Amazon and other platforms, especially when it's all digital, because like you say, all you see are the numbers going up on, on the dashboard of a sale, a purchase, whatever. Occasionally yeah. you'll see a review. Um, but the idea of actually holding the amount of books you're shipping out, like I, I did um, a promotion of one of my first in series uh, a couple of weeks ago. And um, it got a couple of thousand downloads just on, on that book. And I'm like, hmm. that's, you, you look at the screen, you go, cool. But you know, if you actually look at like a thousand books, yeah and you're living really. like oh shit like that actually has some impact um i yeah. do think there's something missing about that tangible quality of holding the book packaging the book shipping the book out um and actually that's kind of where some of my sites are, are, are set at the minute just to try and like you know special quality deliveries of books like certain extra gifts like mail outs all that kind of things more direct sales um yeah. just to have that feel of like because at the minute well i say at the minute like with digital stuff sometimes you don't feel like an author because like i say it's all just dealt with digitally and it's like you're, you're not really in that process
0: yeah in a way that is magic uh being able to write and, and publish via mm. uh, via kindle or whatever there's a certain it's magic always... to that <laughs> uh but um i don't know i just think it's a separate it's a different thing mm. um if you're for example one of the guy one of the backers messaged me and asked me to sign it for for a certain person and we had a bit of a dialogue going about the book and uh, i've just kick-started um and i'm gonna like write like a little personal poem for them in, in the front of the book and stuff that kind of stuff it, it feels like i've got a genuine genuine a genuine conversation going with with the people who who might stay with me for a long time if that makes sense So you might mm-hmm. just um if you develop that relationship they might back the next one they might read more of your work and and be with, because uh, that's what we want. We want readers who are going to be with us for the lifetime. Yeah. Until they're dead. I don't <laughs> want them to stop reading me until they pass. <laughs> and then
1: in their will, they must force their child to read you. <laughs> Please keep on reading, Luke Conda. Yeah.
3: Um,
1: and, and there is something really nice about Kickstarter in the sense of you have the option of finishing the product and then putting it to Kickstarter as like an option to obviously raise some money and, and to get some stuff um, to yeah, uh, you know well, raise raise the funds but at the same time you can also have the shell of a book, a book or an idea and you can find out if there's interest before putting a book out i like that kind of like coin toss yeah. side of it
0: you go potentially too far that way um i mean i personally for my own i mean in the same way on amazon you could put a pre-order up 90 days before or whatever it is and mm. not have it written uh, on Kickstarter, you could put a campaign up i saw one person who put a campaign up for a book. F- this is sounds insane to me, and it takes absolute balls to be able to do something like this. They asked fifteen grand for their first book. Um, they never written a, written a novel before. Um, they had they had like a loose idea of the the blurb for it, uh, the sales copy, and they did it. They got fifteen grand for it. They wow. managed to get like a, they got like a big lot of support on Twitter for the through the um like the online horror community and stuff. Uh so I mean that's to me that's I would be panicking. Because <laughs> I like to have everything as perfect and ready to go as possible. So now I, I finished my campaign. The the books are ready to go. I already have my hardcover proofs I already have the audio book halfway done. I just want for my own peace of mind, I need mm-hmm. to know that it's good to go as, as soon as the campaign's done. Yeah. It's different horses. yeah yeah yeah. what is the secret to
1: kickstarter and how how can people kind of dip their toe into the kickstarter bath
0: well so this for this campaign i went i just wanted to dip my toes into the bath in the sense that i went for a really low goal and my whole idea for this campaign was to build a system in notion or to build a kind of uh uh yeah, to build like a repeatable system that I know is going to be a very, very small prototype campaign, which I'm going to be able to uh, grow and develop and duplicate and 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 do again and again. And um, and in doing so, you know, I only needed like, I only asked for £350, which is very, very small. It's like almost 500% funded. So I made a surprising amount of profit. I mean, you do make more profit per book as well on Kickstarter. You do tend to anyway, because you, you. I think people are just willing to pay a bit more for the books. Um, but th- so now I have like a complete system. I know all the shipping costs for different types of types of books. Um, I know uh, where I can get hardcovers uh, like limited supply runs done. Um, I have everything in place now, uh, so that when I do the next one, I can pretty much just in Notion duplicate the database, and and also the marketing's all built in as well. So I made like a actual points where I need to do that mail, that mail shot there. I need to do, uh, I need to announce on Twitter there and have it all kind of pre-planned out. So now I just need to copy that database, go campaign number two, ask for maybe a bit more because I'll have, hopefully bring some people back from the, from the last campaign to this next one. And it it is, it does grow. That's kind of, I'm kind of surprised by how much, how many of the sales came from Kickstarter directly and how few uh, of them that I brought myself. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it was um, Russell Nolte. who's he, a big Kickstarter fiction guy. He said every, um, every customer that you bring Kickstarter will bring, uh, will match that. Um, and he's pretty much dead on. Hmm. I thought, I thought, it's not where random people on kickstarter are going to find it and just randomly back it but yeah it's been 50 50 um so hopefully next time if i can bring the same people kickstarter will match that again mm. um yeah i would say some tips i would say get everything in line up as soon as possible before the campaign at least a month before and then start to build your pre-launch page which is where you can get people to sign up to the campaign so as soon as it goes live uh, they'll all get an email notification. Uh, and even Russell even has like numbers for that. So he knows exactly how many numbers you need, and how much that will generate in terms of in terms of revenue for the campaign. And like it sounds like nonsense. Like how can you how can you work that out? But it was like exactly right. So it's madness. Yeah. So his his book, he did a book with Monica Leonel. Mm. I think it's just called Kickstarter for Office. I think. I have to put in the show notes, but yeah, they it like it's dead on, like every little number they put in there, um, every little piece of advice. The only thing I would say, Russell email. say, so Russell had a 17, 17 day campaign, and he said he sent 23 um emails to his mailing list over that campaign. There's no way I'm emailing my com- my list 23 times. Yeah, I normally only email once a quarter. <laughs> um, and that's. And I think I emailed three, three times for this, and I was like, "That's twenty-three months is like
1: five years worth of content fee."
0: <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I don't like to do the kind of uh, throwaway mailers. I like to, uh, I like every, I want every single mail, <laughs> mail email that I send out to, to be like uh, something special. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I want it to be something that people are going to be excited to open.
1: Yeah. And, it, you know, it, again, it's different, it's different horses. I mean, yeah, how you present your Kickstarter and your your brand and your mainness and everything else, it's definitely like, it is special, it's Luke, and it's you through and through, sort of in terms of personality, in terms of art. Um, mm-hmm. And it's something I've always admire about you, is you've got a very strong voice for that kind of thing. And I think yeah. that um, definitely one of the things playing in your favour, like the artwork for the book, which I don't know that you've actually said the title on, on this show yet. Um but the, the artwork, just I'm I'm very very excited to to get my copy. What's the book
0: called, Luke? <laughs> my dog shits cash. Perfect. So uh, yeah, it's about a, a depressed guy who whose life has gone to hell, uh, but his childhood dog moves in, and she's uh, she can speak speak to Nathan, the, the main character with a mind. She can um, she can do tricks, and she taught the kid down the street how to speak Japanese, and she shits cash. And it's like I mean I you are right, like that whole branding thing um in terms of the the marketing copy that I use and the the I call them uh, doodles of purpose, mm. which are like my draw my drawing style, where it's like I know it looks a bit shoddy, but that's kind of the point it's, yeah, it kind of just makes me laugh um, and it <laughs> is all I mean that's just the way things come out <laughs> I don't, that is just the way I do things. I don't know what to say. It works. Hey, it all
1: it all fits together. It all feels cohesive, and you know it's it's you. So it's recognisable. And when one of those things come through, it's Luke Condor speaking to
0: you. So feels congruent with who I who I want to portray myself as, if that makes sense. Yes, and yeah. some of that also leaks over into the other stories. and One thing that I'm, I
1: can't I, I don't know that we ever have, but I'm pretty sure we've never actually had a conversation on one of these podcasts uh, about the other stories, sort of in any kind of depth. We've obviously mentioned it because you know we've been doing the other story since. 2016 mm-hmm. um 2015 if you count the first time it was potentially mentioned um so I thought we'd dive a little bit into that Luke what is the other
0: stories and and, and how did that all, wow. all begin yeah the other stories is a podcast that we started we had a zoom we first got together at Hawk and Cleaver uh late 2015 and that I think it might have even been New Year's Day 2016 we got on a zoom call
1: the first ever got, zoom call
0: yeah it was terrifying for me because I knew none of you <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, okay, what we're we going to do? What's a, a project we can all work on together as a as a newly formed story studio? And um, I think we just said let's do like monthly writing exercises, um, and then I think you were going to put them out as like a an e magazine. We called it, yeah, yeah, just uh, to so build followers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think we were going to put them out for free, and we just have our names out there on on the Kindle store every mm-hmm. month with like a new theme. Uh, and then I was doing a lot of podcasting at the time. I feel like I do even more podcasting now, uh, <laughs> but I was like, I could make a podcast out of these. And I'd, I definitely thought about doing some kind of short story podcast before. I think maybe because of like this American life and some of those other uh storytelling podcasts that, that are all fantastic. Um, and then the other stories took off very, very quickly. Um, we hit, we hit a certain zeitgeist of horror podcasts that were coming out at the time. Um, and then we just never really stopped and it's mm-hmm. just developed and grown and grown from there. And now it's awesome. Like I was thinking about this um, <laughs> and it's always been awesome, but I was thinking about this uh, a couple of months ago. So the artwork, when you, when you first look at the other stories artwork, it's the school, the green school that Pai pa did Oh, it's um, gorgeous! Like it—it it looks exactly like the right character. That one for people on the podcast. Even like the 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 the, the episode's logo art now, the name. Uh-huh. It. It. I don't know when I first look at when you first go on the website and see that, and then you see like the miniseries we do and the mm-hmm. Halloween specials. It feels like it's, and then you listen to it and I feel like the audio quality is amazing. It's got humor. It's kind of punky in a weird kind of English way. Um, and the stories can be dark and twisted with like sharp stings at the tail which we always enjoy like your story actually husk Um, i'm just about to record the credits for those actually soon Mm. and that's a great example of the kind of stories that i really love to put on the other stories podcast where it's kind of dark and strange but also there's an element there's a slight tongue-in-cheekness to it of the idea itself is is I don't know it's peculiar in a in a really fun way. <laughs> um but I just feel like whatever I whatever um a misty cloud of an idea that we all had at that point in time at the start of 2016 I feel like it's now like really solid. Like yeah. it's it's everything I kind of wanted it to be. And now it's like how can we do this better and bigger and and more and and you know trying to get a bit more revenue yeah which is always the always a big dream yeah, yeah but I feel like it's so defined now like it's it's I think people you just need to look at the artwork and listen to an episode and you're like okay that's what the other stories is mm-hmm. like, mm. yeah I mean yeah. It, it, there's room for improvement of course <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying I'm just saying if I wasn't making it I would be a fan of it I would be yeah. listening to it every
1: week oh absolutely the same I, mean, I think as well like the fan base and the people in the discord that will get involved and just the community behind it is incredible and one of the things that I've loved most about the whole the whole just birth of the podcast to now is just the growth and the evolution and the constant because it really has been it it, it was like this sort of um what's the word very sort of like non-physical form that was just shaping and moving it was just having fun and in the beginning it was me you uh Matt and Ben just four writers that was it we did every all the episodes between us um we had A couple of voice actors obviously you did a lot of the earlier production work and then now it's evolved into i mean i i kind of stepped back a lot from the production i mean it's pretty much you and carl running the show from this point but what what how big is the team now in terms of actual the hands that an episode touches before it's finished
0: well so this has all been incremental um hasn't you know didn't overnight become what it is now uh but we have uh like a a first pass submission reader who reads all the submissions and gives them like the initial thoughts um and then i will take the story and do a lot of proofing get it ready to send to the narrator uh, the narrator will take it record it sometimes you have two narrators sometimes more most often it's just one um uh, and that will go to uh the podcast editor usually carl or duncan now and potentially someone else as well soon um and then i will get that back and do my credits for them had a couple of jokes in there if i can <laughs> And then that'll go did. to <laughs> back to the editor. And then that'll go to uh quality assurance, uh, which is um uh just one guy at the minute, but he does a fantastic job. He's got like superpowered ears. He can hear any fault in the audio. Uh his his ears move like separate from each other. <laughs> Incredible. Like so Um and then uh what's the been through QA? We also have Ben and we also have Luke Spooner doing the artwork, uh custom. I work for each theme. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben adds his special touch for the social media aspects. Um, we have community managers as well now, uh, a couple. Um, so, I mean, and narrators, we have like a, a really nice pool of narrators that we work with. Uh, we mm-hmm. have a, a large number of, I would say, writers who are kind of in the inner circle who I would, uh, we accept pictures from rather than like full to mission. So if someone's got a good idea for a story, uh, and they've worked we've worked for them for a lot a lot in the past. We would just say to them, yeah, that sounds good. Go and get it written and we can Trust work them. from there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's it feels like an actual digital studio now. Like it feels like we've kind of nailed a lot of it. I think we just want to do more of it now. And mm-hmm. and I've just been thinking more and more about ways we can refine the studio aspect and uh get more collaborations going on um trying to get a few more uh co-writing sprints with the people in the studio going, taking more pictures. Um we want to get see people face to face more.
1: Yes, talking about a potential tour <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at some point. Yeah. <laughs> to be to be continued. But what one thing I just really love about this, and I, I'm hoping this is somewhat um helpful and, and motivational for people is when the idea to first, uh, pitches as a podcast came up. I I was probably one of the most hesitant because, like, putting out stories is easy. Just the four of us, like, we write the stories, so we run it through like what it would have be been me, me at the time formatting in Word, um, throw it up on Amazon, and that's easy. To throw in obviously the podcast element and for it to be a weekly consistent release and to involve you know voice actors and music and all that kind of stuff, um, it seemed really daunting because I hadn't I hadn't really any experience in podcasting at that point, um but then you know to watch that grow and watch that grow and at every step it's it's always things have always happened at the right time or they've always seemed to so like when it got to the point that you know the facebook group was getting really big we had people from the community step forward really active and we were like you know what if you want to get involved and like help us do it and so much of what we did in the beginning up until only like a couple of years ago everything was was done with no money everything like no narrators were paid we weren't paid as writers or creators that there was basically no money in the podcasting for at least two or three years yeah. um and then it got to a point where we started to actually earn revenue and now we're at the point where we can pay people but like you can bootstrap and you can create something incredible just by putting your idea out believing in it and just being consistent
0: yeah i'm trying to work out why we were so consistent because i swear they were like if it was just me it would have lasted nine episodes or something and then it- i i think that was
1: one of the things i said at the beginning was like if we do this we do this every monday and some of those some of those early months were hairy there'd be stories to the wire
0: yeah uh and now we're like we we have finished episodes like a, a week ahead no two weeks ahead i think um but i don't know how we stuck to it i think because there were more and more people involved and more mm-hmm. people were getting involved uh, and also, the streak was getting longer and longer. Like, we hadn't yeah. missed a Monday for two or three years. Like, we're not there's not a chance in how we're going to miss a Monday now. No. <laughs> like, the streak's just far too long. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's too many people waiting for the episodes to, there's too much riding on it. We built in in Notion a built in alert. So, like, if audio's, um, roll audio is a bit late, we'll get notified about it and we can go, oh, God, let's see what's going on there and fix it well before. It has any chance of affecting the podcast feed. I mean it's yeah. kind of ridiculous that it we t- <laughs> take it so seriously. It is like a Monday slice of horror, but yeah. um, I don't know how we got to this point. It's just <laughs> it's quite natural. People liked it. we liked it well we that's a, I, that's what I was gonna say so, yes, yeah, so maybe that's it. So if a lot of times when you're making great work, it can feel like uh it can feel like as my electronics teacher used to say pushing custard upstairs (laughs) it feels like you could just put as much effort as you can into it but it's just i mean maybe one day it will will start to work but yeah but sometimes uh you do something and you you get the product market fit or whatever or you manage to hit a bit of a zeitgeist and it's almost like it's gonna do the thing with with or without you Mm -hmm. so you just need to like hang on tight and just uh ride it yeah and these things that I think they the thing that do come in waves, I think you've got to keep trying no matter what anyway, keep pushing mm-hmm. new stuff, keep trying to improve the stuff that is working. And then every now and again, you'll hit a wave and you just got to make the most of it, ride it, try and use that to get onto the next step to uh, whatever the next step is. I don't know. Mm. Another podcast. Yeah. It's interesting. I didn't plan this, but it's interesting how much of this episode
1: is essentially about systems. Because one of the things that really allowed, especially the last year or so, that has allowed the other stories to kind of get to a point of equilibrium is yeah. systematizing and without kind of harping on that notion. But obviously that has been a big player in It's actually smoothing out a lot of the processes because it amazes me now that <clears throat> in the Discord itself, I, I just get updates. Just your episode is now in production. Your episode is yeah. now handed over to us and it's just all
0: automatic. And I think it's fucking fantastic. Was really good to do, systematize all. I keep saying systemize, but systematize mm. all of the kind of the crap that's not that fun to do. So if we create a new episode on the note on the calendar, it, it will also fill most of the stuff that needs to be put in there, uh, like the writer's bio, narrator bio, all the stuff that like is kind. Of, if I had to copy and paste that, like go to different pages mm-hmm. and and pull all that over, like it's an absolute chore. So you systemize, you systematize all that stuff. And then that gives you more breathing room to add in the little bits of, of fun. Like in the, if I'm going to add like a little stupid joke in, in the credits, in like the, the, the intro segment, then if I haven't had to worry about all the crap stuff, I can then have a, a bit more breathing room to focus on the creative stuff, the stuff that's actually good. Um, yeah. How hard was it to trust
1: that system when it was first built? Because I know that a big part of, You know, having a true system that works is trusting it and for it to deliver. Were there any sort of blips when that was first set up? Uh
0: well, so when we first started the other stories, I think for the first six themes, we didn't have any system. (laughs) And then Carl came on for volume seven and then he created a spreadsheet, or maybe you created a spreadsheet, I'm not too sure. I think I started Um, it and then he made it like ten times better. (laughs) And then that spreadsheet just kind of grew and grew. Um as and that was mainly Carl that was focusing on that. And then when we went to Notion, I for some reason Notion just works in my brain. Like it's almost like <laughs> I don't know. I just took to it like a uh, like custard to some stairs. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but I I just took to it. Um, and then I we started to do it at the same time. So I created the, what would be the basic uh, Notion database system for it. Uh, and then we, we ran them con- concurrently. So Carl was like working on a spreadsheet and I was working on in Notion. And then we had like a month of crossover and we were like, Notion does this a lot better. Good so we moved. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you've got to test it in a, in a safe way. Um, I think it worked. I think it helps that me and Carl are both from like more tech support. 100%. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> we are both quite technically minded. Yeah. And I don't say that in the sense of like being smarter or, or dumber or whatever. I just mean uh, there's a certain type of characteristic where you just like tinkering with systems. And I think me and Carl have that to some degree. Yeah. Uh, so I like sitting blankly between you and going, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah, we should do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's cool though. Cause like when we, when we're doing the mini course, I like to build a system for that. I like to, I, and I'm building a system for, for the Kickstarter campaigns for pod.press Press. I really enjoy that. I find that so rewarding to mm-hmm. develop a system that I know I can uh, grow and, and flesh out. And it just, it feels like building, I think I was on another podcast talking about this. It feels like building uh, or working on cars in a in a garage somewhere. Like just, just working on an engine, making sure, like tuning up little bits here and there, uh, replacing parts that do not work and just refining it and, and getting it better and better. I just find that so so i don't know so rewarding in the same way i do with like uh, books or or if i'm doing like an editing pass and it starts to really come together and it starts to like really feel like an actual book i just find that like ah oh, perfect yeah. i could do that for the, for the rest of my life i think systems in books and stuff
1: yeah systems <laughs> and <laughs> books and stuff title of this episode um <clears throat> we are running up to time which is a shame because i kind of wanted to go into some of the core stuff but um i'll ask you a question that we ask everyone who comes on the show that i'm sure i've asked you before and um, be interested to see how your answer varies in the year or two since i last asked it of you um and then i have one more question before we we part ways so luke why do you write
0: oh uh i think i knew this question oh um why do I write at this point I think it's it's mainly a habit but mm. I think it's because it so if I see a trailer for a film or a cover of a book and I'm really excited I'm like oh god I'm going to enjoy the hell out of that and then usually when I watch it or read it I'm like it wasn't what I was expecting because I've already mm. written it in my head I've already gone this is exactly how that's going to go oh, and then mm. what I've realised is that's because I want to write them. I want <laughs> to make them. I I want to uh I already know how that story is supposed to go in my head. So I guess I guess it's like a natural inclination to want to create those stories. And uh and also I mean, is there anything better than when you've written a certain section in a book or or a podcast and you're as you're writing it firsthand or as you're rereading or listening to it back you feel the emotion mm. like there's there's nothing better to me than when you feel that like uh the ache of the soul or like you feel that certain emotion it's like oh god that's that is ex- i don't know that's doing something that's hitting something mm. that i really that i was was aiming for but i didn't know i could get to like it's heavenly like it it um becomes bigger than the uh than than the project itself it, it's um i don't know i don't know what a word is it's um Transcendent. Transcendent. That exactly that's exactly what I was thinking. Effervescent. Yeah. Effervescent. It's like Bring a that a full circle.
1: Yeah. That yeah. No, blows <laughs> my mind when you're reading the book and you feel this sudden, like whether it's disgust or love or anger or joy or whatever it is. And it, it blows my mind that you're just staring at words like a bit of ink on a page. And for whatever reason you're going Arr! and there's that emotional response that comes from it. Not yeah. like a baby Chewbacca being born.
0: <laughs> so we were listening to the um the Sandman Audible. Mm. Uh, adaptation on the commute today, and I don't know if you've read Sandman or if you you I haven't. No, it's it's been recommended many times. Well, the, the comic is, is is great, yeah. Uh, but this audio, audible adaptation is is it's kind of crazy, and it's, it's like there's a lot going on. But when you get into the speed of it, it is really good. But it just had this one episode it was on the way back, and it it gave me that feeling. I was like, wow, that was really emotional. That's why mm. I tell stories. It's like i want to re i want to create that moment for myself and for other people i love that okay i have one more question for
1: you and it's a a new tradition to ask well to have last week's guests ask a question of the current week's guest and then afterwards remind me because we'll get a question from you to ask next week's guest But last week's guests asked what movie title would best describe
3: your life
0: Hmm. Jaws.
3: Uh,
0: <laughs> oh, it's like a film that's already out there. No, that... no. Oh. Whatever you want to. Um i would probably be something ridiculous. Uh um Laundry Hepburn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hang on, that's the facts. Let me uh Later Are you on. checking to see if that's an film? It's got to be one called Laundry then. Laundry oh, yeah, okay. Uh, okay, so it could be... There's a couple of options. Major look, which is like a soldier who uh, keeps pointing in certain ways, and the enemy's like, what? And he shoots him. <laughs> yeah, huh? Uh I told you about uh Lester Carkeys, the curious yeah. case of Lester Carkeys, who loses yep. himself, has to find himself. <laughs> the last place he looks, uh Dale Nuggets, but Dale with like uh uh two two syllables. Yeah. I I don't know why I do, so I have like a big list of, of names. This it. would be this would be the, the my my uh the one based on my life. Dorothy the living document. I don't know what that means, but it sounds like there's oh, there's something there. I don't know what it is yet.
1: There's something magic.
0: Uh, or Crisp Martin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Trev, you know about Trevor Softmint. I know about Trevor Softman. Yeah. Yeah. Um uh, Marianne Crayon. Pam Sandwich. It's going for a list now of all the ones you've you've written down. Yeah, I don't know why I keep that list. Why, I don't know why it's always at hand <laughs> I was very it's quick to access to get...
1: <laughs> oh man I love it um, where can my listeners find out all about yourself and all that you're working on
0: go to lukecondor.com Condor part of a K uh, or go to Uh those two places are the best places at the minute uh, follow me if you're going to follow me on social media follow me on Instagram that's probably uh, yeah probably the best place to follow me Perfect. Well, Luke, it's been an
1: absolute pleasure catching up. Thank you so much for your time.
0: Cool. What's over there? Ah. <laughs> major luck <laughs> <look> again. <laughs> it's me, Major Luck. So
1: that was the interview with Luke Condor. Yeah. Sam, what do you make of that?
2: I love Luke. It is now... <laughs> I know I said... It's, it's, it, uh, it has become um, my... I was going to say silent mission, but I'm about to announce it. So oh. I guess not so silent. To befriend that man, mm. possibly to best friend status. <laughs> <laughs> which sounds a bit... But I'll tell you why. Right, mm-hmm. My first ever interaction with Luke was seeing his Instagram handle, which, quite frankly, is the best Instagram handle ever, which is Luke of Condor. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Who was this person?" Yeah. Um. And yeah. And obviously, like, like you say, he's one of the experts and stuff. But just he's incredible. And I will say that I am in 100% agreement with him about lush bath bombs, lush or nothing, mate. <laughs> well, it's true because, like, normally, like, you get bath bombs. You talk about going to the supermarket. Mm-hmm. I mean, not to go to the supermarket. We all, we've all, we all got to go to the supermarket. I mean,
1: I confess I'm not a bath bomb aficionado.
2: Yeah, well, lucky for you. Because <laughs> the ones at the supermarket sink to the bottom. Lush bath bombs float on the top as they... Anyway, that's... I don't I don't want to get back into another 20-minute uh, conversation. <laughs> about... i trying to get to my notes, and I'm just knocking everything over. Smash. Um, yeah smash just put that down there there we go hmm. um so I have <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> the first thing I've written down is in quotes I like to be moist <laughs> don't we all Luke don't we all <laughs> um I tell you though there was one of the things that really really resonated with me and it's probably because I'm mildly narcissistic and I feel like I've said this myself in some way um is when he was talking about the house Mm. in the sense of like one room's the bizarro room one room's the more commercial room and I was just like I love this and I love this idea of he always knew what kind of writer he was he always knew what he wanted to do but It is that thing of like you start off pure, yeah, and you get waylaid by people saying, Well, that's not going to sell, or that's not, and then you know, you release it to crickets or whatever, Mm -hmm. and it's very discouraging. And then you do, you like, you start to look more at trends in the market and all the rest of it. And of course, you know, like, like you said, it's there is a Venn diagram and there is that sweet spot in the middle, it's trying to find it, but I just. I love I love the fact that he's come back to himself. Yes. And he understands he's like loop 2.0. Like he's got <laughs> the house, he's got the rooms, he can mm-hmm. separate himself to the point where he's enjoying all of the things.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Like when he when he was like when he was like, each plate has got something delicious on it, like that's just flinging off. Yeah. Yeah. I really I really like that. And I also when you two were discussing about um, when you're going down a path and like every fibre of your being is like, no, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: you know, you were talking about the um, urban fantasy yeah, and you were like, I I can't. Mm. I just, I don't know. He's, he reminds me of Gaiman. He reminds just that, like, he likes all the things. He does all the things very well. um. Yeah, I just, I just very much enjoyed it, and most of all, I really just enjoy your two's chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, just you're just both knobs, and it's lovely. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's unusual that I get interviewed on my own podcast. As well.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although it's nice to know where you grew up. It's, uh, it's yeah, nice to know, you know what you're working on these days, and. And you know what what it was for you that that made you step away from those yeah projects.
1: yeah yeah this is this is the thing about Luke like I'm not just a friend of his I am a fan like he is mm-hmm. he is a fantastic writer like I I love his books I love his style of writing like I've been lucky enough to have a few you know advanced looks at some of the things he's written over the years and he it's it's beautiful prose and watching him from the outside as I say well as I said in the interview like it's it's very very clear that he's kind of found his home. Um, which is really humbling to see. And again, it's that full 360 of it's pretty much right near where he started in the first place. And I do think that if you go into an industry like this um, and you want to make a full go of it and really kind of invest in that, I do think this is just a part of the journey that a lot of people have to go on because, yeah, you know, you start off, as you say, pure. And then you're introduced into a world in which everyone has an opinion and you do start to think of all the different possibilities. And mm-hmm. some of those possibilities open your eyes and some of them move you further away from you know where your north star is. Yeah. But you have to you have to play, you have to understand the environment before you can then go, okay, no, no, I, I belong here or like yes. this is where I'm happiest. Cause um, yeah, that urban fantasy. Like I I've not shut off urban fantasy as a genre entirely, but the way that it was having to be written because of the style I was writing with and the people I was writing with, it's just mm-hmm. so so far away from from my own stuff, um, and so that was kind of like the big pull away from me. But um, yeah, I, as I say, I'm a big I'm a big fan of Luke. I think he's a fantastic guy, and it's really nice to see you know the Kickstarter's working out. And obviously, he yeah. he does a lot of the grunt work for the other stories, and he's doing a fantastic job with it, um, and keeps the whole machine alive. So it's it's just an honour really to watch him work from both the outside and the inside. Um, I think particularly what was poignant for me, because, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with them on and off air over the years. Uh, a lot of it tends to come back to um, how to get stuff done, like his goal systems and things like that. And it was no surprise really that it kind of went back in that direction again. But I really enjoyed seeing the systems that he's building to mm-hmm. support his business. And as someone who's looking into a lot of systems for myself and I've built you know, various systems, for different things over the years. Um, having having a solid system for stuff can really, really just streamline so much of what you do. Like, yeah, the I don't think we kind of went into it in much detail there. But the it's other story of podcast, yeah, Oh I was sorry,
2: I think talking... <laughs> I thought it I think was, was about to segue into the ones. Oh, no. But
1: I'm no, following. no, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, although that is working its way into my system. Um, so I'm gonna definitely go back and re-listen to that for myself. But no, like the the other stories, it was it was a Google sheet. It was all manual. It was a lot of emails fired here and there and everywhere else. And uh, not to you know flog an ocean, which we both think is amazing, but we've managed. We he's managed to build a system um, in which there's lots of tables that connect to each other. All he has to do is basically go. Here's a new episode. Here's a person that's written it, and then it will auto-populate. If that person's written on there before, it will auto-populate with their bio, their headshot, their links. It will automatically send updates to Discord to let the narrators know that things need to start happening. Once they're done and it's dropped into a folder, it sends the writers a notification to say it's now in editing. And it literally is just this sort of ping fire-like machine. And, you know, it just streamlines what he's having to do because he has to communicate with a lot of the narrators, a lot of the editors and everything else. Um, Streamlines what streamlines what Carl does with his audio editing, um, and it just saves hours, hours of the week. So you know, if you, yeah, (laughs) it's Sam looks incredibly crushed right now. Just because, like,
2: (laughs) I still can't figure out how to import my Google Calendar into Notion.
1: (laughs) Oh no, I have no idea how he built it. Uh, He's tried a few times to kind of show me bits and pieces, and he's done a few things on mine, but um, it helps. uh, I think he might have mentioned in in that interview it does help that him and Carl are tech heads. Yeah. And so between them, they kind of like bounce off each other. But that's the kind of that's the power of it. Like it's it's eased up hours, hours during the week in which he can then put into his priority tasks. And you know, that's how you get your work done. And
3: yeah,
1: one thing that I I think the thing that I liked the most that was very, very specific was uh his use of the Pomodoro technique. So mm. um he called it the pom in the interview, but for people that haven't uh come across it before it's essentially you set a timer for x amount of time so 15 20 minutes it's, it's what we do in our in our zoom mm-hmm. sprints. yeah um and during that period you work without distraction you then take a five ten minute break depending on your preference uh seven minutes works for us <laughs> and then we jump back into another sprint and the fact that luke does two of those on like the big tasks per day and then one on the other stories mm-hmm. like you're guaranteeing a minimum of 40 minutes of work a day and that doesn't sound like a lot but when it's focused, concentrated yeah. work and you are consistently doing that five days a week, the rewards that you reap are astronomical. So
3: mm-hmm.
1: for people who I spoke to someone earlier today that was like, I don't have the time to write. I keep trying to find it. I was like, mate, 20 minutes. If you sit down, set a timer, 20 mm-hmm. minutes, shut everything off, and mm-hmm. just focus on the words. Even if they don't quite come, even if you're staring at a blank page, train yourself to do that for 20 minutes yep. every day. 20 minutes isn't is, is nothing. 20 minutes yeah. is like a good bathroom session. Do you know what I mean? Just sacrifice that.
3: <laughs> sit
1: oh, on the chair instead.
2: I, I, I honestly wondered which direction. I was like, don't sacrifice that. You'll pop. No, uh, no, like, no. You mean no. the bath?
1: Yes, Got yes. You. Got no, you. I meant poop. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, like 20 minutes, sit on a chair, like the episode of a friend's um, episode, and just do it on a, on a piece of written work yeah that noise is not me that noise is my son
3: just to confirm.
2: <laughs> it's um <laughs> it's um it's the what's that what's the book called uh, the slight edge i think it's by jeff olson where and he talks about this exact thing like mm-hmm. it's so it's so easy to think that because say you've only got like five minutes spare in a day uh-huh. That what's that going to do but one of the um, metaphors that I like to think of when it feels like I'm having to start all over again if like my brain is trying to kill me is that if I've got a jar and um, sand and I need to fill the jar with sand but all I can do and manage every day is to put one grain of sand in the jar still going to fill the jar yeah it's going to take a long time but it's still mm-hmm. going to fill it but the thing is some days you can scoop <laughs> scoop um you know but it is that thing of just what you do over and over again no matter like even if it is that small amount of time
3: mm-hmm.
2: it's going to move you one way or the other
1: yeah like I mean my so my word output obviously is a bit high because I've been doing this for a while and I, I do write mm-hmm. fast. But in yeah. a five minute period, I can get 500 words. Do five minutes a day, five days a week, two and a half thousand words over a month. That's 10,000 words in six months. I've got a book five minutes a day,
3: mm-hmm.
1: five minutes a day, mm-hmm. and you know it. It might be a bit slower for you, but you know, extrapolate the math and work it out. That was literally how I wrote my first novel. I kind of went right. What do I need to write per day to get to the end of this? What day will I have finished this if I'm consistent?
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: it was hard, and there were days in which I couldn't be bothered, but I pushed through just to prove to myself I could. And you know, seven years later, here I am. Like that's that's how it began. It's just putting the work and commit to the thing that you want to do.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Also, feel like I need to visit Lush now. Yeah, you do. Experience the effervescence.
2: <laughs> effervescence.
1: Effervescence. <laughs> <laughs> Wake me up inside.
2: <sighs> that's, that's that's what it's weird because that's what the lush bath bombs sing to you as they fizz open. They don't. Mm-hmm. That's a lie. Um they are spendy. Like I think they're like five, six quid a bomb. Oh. Yeah. Mallow baths fire that's ridiculous well don't like you don't have one for every bath also I feel this is important for you to know they don't make bubbles as in it doesn't make a bubble bath oh no I know yeah I know you yeah. can get bubble bars though now this is turning into an advert for Lush <laughs> sorry we're not affiliated oh my God, God. I've also realised how stern I look
1: on YouTube Well, <laughs> oh, ignore that it's fine we're near the end uh, so Sam
2: <laughs> yeah. who's
1: our guest for next week Joking. I put you on the spot. No idea. I do. Uh, So next week we have someone who I greatly admire. Um, We have the incredible Tim Levin. So Tim Levin is, uh, he's authored some of the alien novelizations. He's done things like Cavern in the Woods. Uh, He has his own books, The Silence, which was turned into a Netflix film, as well as Eden, as well as his brand new book, which is, the name's escaping me now. But suffice to say, he's a busy guy. He's a fantastic dude. Uh, I was very, very privileged to meet him at Chillicon a few weeks back. And in person, he is just as amazing as he is on the page. So I am very excited to bring Tim Levin to you guys. Um, But, yeah, for now, we shall wish you goodbye. If I get my little notes up right here and say a massive thank you to you, the listeners, for tuning in. We appreciate you and the time you choose to spend with us each week. And as always, if you're looking to level up your writing and activate your author career, head on over to activatedauthors.com to find out all about our community, our resources, and everything else that we've got going on. From myself and Sam, we will see you next week.
2: Bye, 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 bye. Bye.